Welcome to Conversations with My Teachers. My name is Todd Marston. I'm a musician living in Portland, Oregon. In this podcast, I interview people who have served as mentors in my life. These thinkers, feelers, artists, healers, and teachers have helped to shape my current worldview, and now feels like a great time to circle back to them in order to thank them, to engage in conversation, and to share some of their gifts with you. This ninth episode is the final episode of season one of Conversations with My Teachers. My guest today is Andy Cahill. Andy joined me for the first episode of season one, so I thought it'd be fun to check in with him again to finish out the season. Andy's the host of the Wonderdome podcast, which was a big influence on the start of this series. He also served as my life coach for about a year, and he helped me to make some major breakthroughs, for which I am eternally grateful. Check out his links in the show notes. All right, without further ado, here's the conversation. Yeah. All right. We are here. Welcome to episode nine. The final. Nine? Oh, this is a niner. Yep. This is the final the final niner, episode man. of uh, season one of com- conversations with my teachers. Mm. What's what 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 does the number nine mean for you, Andy Cahill? Anders Cahill. <laughs> well, if I'm being totally honest, I was just remembering the scene in Tommy Boy with Chris Farley and David Spade where where David Spade asks Chris Farley's character, I can't remember the, the character's names, but you know, it's Chris Farley, just like what a what a comedic genius he was. And he David Spade asks him to repeat back some numbers and he's like uh it's like a phone number or something. It's like five, seven, niner. Oh. <laughs> and David Spade's like, did I hear a niner in there? <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> so, nice. so that's that's the deep mystical significance of the number nine for yeah me. but nine. you know then i can sort of i can sort of riff and, and just appreciate the kind of like even though it's an odd number it has this kind of symmetrical quality you know the power of threes three mm-hmm. times three the triad you know there's lots of we could get mystical about it but it's also just exciting that you've done nine episodes now or you will have in an hour you will have done nine episodes of this of your awesome podcast Thanks, man. Well, the, uh, it takes, I don't know how you do it, man. It's like, it's, it's a lot of work to, to schedule and, you know, to brainstorm the, the, the questions and, you know, um, to take the time and and then to edit the stuff. I mean, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. I don't do it all myself. Uh, not anymore. So uh, I have someone who edits the sound and I have someone who publishes everything, which helps a lot. Nice. And also like, s- like secret spoiler, I don't plan the questions. I read, I prepare, I absorb, but I don't like, I just sort of show up because, because that's like, yeah, it's a lot of work. So it's a little bit of a, it's a little bit just like, let's see what happens is a bit of the, the spirit of it. Yeah. Well, and I think that, that, that comes across like as a kind of a present presence uh, so we're talking about the Wonder Dome, which is Andy's podcast, and um, you've got fifty how how many episodes now? I think I just released a fifty third episode. Hmm. So I launched it last year, days after the enforced physical, you know, shutdown, you know, stay in place order went in went into effect, and uh, started releasing one every week. Hmm. Yeah, it's very inspiring. And um, the, I mean, it's basically what I've, the reason that I started this podcast was um, kind of mimicking your podcast in many ways, though the, the focuses, you know, have, have some differences. So I guess one of the, one of the purposes of, of having you on a second time on this show is to kind of open and close this first season Mm. Mm. so you kind of blessed the first the first episode with your presence um which you did for the wonder dome right i think we talked about that you were my first guest yeah so it felt felt appropriate in that way um 
And to, I guess, to kind of touch back with you feels good on a number of levels, but one, one is also because we spent a good portion of, I want to say a year, you know, I, I did a, 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 a segment of working with you as my life coach. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Well, I was getting certified as a coach. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. I took part in the group coaching that you were offering. And so that, that ended up being, I guess, about a year. Yeah. I hadn't thought about it, but yeah, that was like about a year's worth of work together in that way. Mm-hmm. And then that led me to um, basically to level up with my career as a musician to acknowledge that my deepest desire is to make music, to explore the arts and explore collaborative projects, um, but specifically to consider myself a composer and recording uh, recording artist, which I really wasn't embracing fully. Mm. Yeah, I remember that. I remember prior. that now. Yeah. And which then led me to a, a handful of projects, the Patreon project being the one that then gave me the thought, well, if I am to be making regular content, what are the kinds of things that I want to offer? And one of them, it made sense to do like a making of type of project, but uh, I thought I'd be more creative with it and do like a making of me. And so- <laughs> That's cool. That's cool all of the people that I interviewed in this first season were people that I felt helped to kind of craft my worldview over the years. Um, another, another aspect of the coaching that, that we did, um, and we can, I'd like to get into this a little bit with you, not necessarily like specific to me. Um, so maybe we could start with, I, I'll just give you the rundown of, um, you know, how this connects to the coaching work that you did with me. Mm. Um, and then I'd like to hear more from you about how you're coaching both within the integral method, but just for, for you yourself, how it's evolved mm. because now it's mm. been some time, another, another year has gone by. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so the, so the process um of returning to these teachers feels like it's kind of related to the part one of our coaching where we acknowledge the kind of the 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 metaphor of the soulful meerkat so this this <laughs> metaphor that that you used to kind of sum up a lot of my strengths um my my character strengths was basically this animal that is really good at kind of sniffing out his tribe and uh, finding a safe place to foster creativity. Mm-hmm. Mm, that's right. Yeah. And so, so what I was doing with this with this podcast, at least this first season, is going back to those people that I felt like the most safe with mm. creatively. Mm. Mm. You know, those people that when, when I met them, it was like instant, like, yes, this person is in my safe group and they're not just in my safe group, but they're inspiring within my safe group. Mm. And so, you know, returning to those people with these conversations that were intentional was a way to um, basically offer them thanks for being those people. Um but also to return to the to the lessons that I learned from them and to see how my relationship to those lessons has changed and and just to see if you know um, how those pieces of wisdom were kind of within that person's wheelhouse like w- within their set of skills and like how they related to those lessons mm. Mm. Um, to to basically then harness some more energy to say like okay this, this piece that I learned from you is really powerful. You know, were you aware of it or is this something that you do consciously or, you know, and, and I got lots of interesting information from that, 
which I think does factor into the second part um, quite well, because one of the one of the real overarching themes that I learned was that everybody who is basically uh, doing what they love and kind of inspiring in the way that these teachers have been inspiring, they're really uh, all about the inner guru, you know, mm. Mm. like following their deepest passion and um, and just just allowing like li live and let live in that way like everybody's gonna do what they're gonna do they're gonna follow their their passion um, there's nothing no, there's nothing special or precious about that it just it's the way to live yeah so very profound simple simplicity I have a whole list that I brainstormed from like every one of them. I don't think I want to get to that because I'd, I'd like more to spend time with you, um, you know, in the spirit of this, this podcast. So I guess I'd like to hear what, uh, you know, what has changed for you because this, this method of using the two metaphors was quite powerful for me mm. uh, as a tool. Mm. Um, I'm wondering if you still use that, that method. And I'd also like to hear how the podcast has factored into it. Cause I know that that's like, you've, you've talked about how that is like a, a big part of your process with coaching. Mm. Mm. Well, man, I, there's a few things I want to say before I, we play with that, if that's all right. The, mm -hmm. the first thing I want to say is just how cool is it? before we started recording, we were kind of like, yeah, everyone should have a podcast, it, right? There's a way in which like, that's sort of a, a derogatory statement, like oh, everyone has a podcast now. And it's sort of like, you know, it's sort of like, well, everyone should write songs. Everyone should, should write stories. Everyone should make art. Everyone should, in that really profound, profound simplicity you just identified, listen to their inner guru and allow that creative energy to express. And it just so happens that podcast is a medium that's emerged mm. past decade. Maybe 10 years from now, it'll, it, it won't have the same relevance, but it just doesn't matter right now. How cool is it that there is some spark in you that said, I have this new platform. People are supporting my art on Patreon. And I could just do that in a very straight ahead way. I'm a, I'm a, I've embraced my musician self it's a platform for my music. Here's music. Yeah. But, but instead you just said, followed your inner guru and said, I want to like talk to, I want to use this platform to just be even more creative. So I just like yeah. love that. And I want to celebrate that. Um, and I'm honored to sort of count you first and foremost as my friend and as a creative ally and as a person who cares about humanity in the world. So thanks for that, man. Thanks, man. I also have a part of me that's kind of like feeling both honored and a little bit uh, nervous about, about like somehow uh, trying to come across like an expert, you know, like, Oh, I'm, hi, I'm Andy. I'm going to talk to you about how coaching works. Mm. And, you know, and so I'm like super humbled and inspired to hear that you had such a powerful journey mm. over the course of that year that, that I was stepping into this mm -hmm. identity uh, and, and I like, I don't even know that I fully realized how strong the connection was in a way to like what you're doing now to that year. So like, mm. that is really special to me to hear. Yeah, man. Um, and, and I want to like sort of give a deep, many deep bows of respect to, to, uh, there, there are too many teachers to name, but, but in mm. particular, uh, Joanne Hunt and Laura Devine, who co-founded Integral Coaching Canada, where I studied coaching. Mm who drew from uh, the wellspring of Ken Wilber's scholarship and, and research, who really, Ken, in, in all the ways he was successful and not, was drawing from much deeper and more ancient wisdom traditions and sort of integrating them, hence the word integral. Mm. So, so in a way, coaching, which is such a like modern word, right? Mm -hmm. Like coaching, like sports coach, right? That, that word hasn't existed for a very long time. Mm. Uh, before it was like a stage coach, a thing that carried people around. And I'm not sure if there's any earlier instances, but actually it's just the, the name for a really ancient 
sort of part of human societies, which are people who provide spiritual, social, emotional care to others. Mm. And, uh, and, and, and sort of ancient human times that might've been like the village elder or, or the healer or, or the sham, the shaman, or, you know, so just like, you know, just sort of feeling a real deep, it's just so cool and humbling to feel like a little, a little, like I'm just one little piece of this huge, yeah. vast, deep lineage of care for each other. Yeah. You know, that, that that's possible that we humans have the capacity to create spaces of real deep care and transformation for each other. Man, that's so, it's so awesome that you're, you, you, you talk about the word coach in relation to the stage coach. So on my jog right before this, this interview, I was, I was jogging along and, and the big theme, like the whole jog was looking at all the cars on the street. I even, I even had a fantasy about putting, putting on a sign that said drive less and just like going out into the road and just like stopping traffic. <laughs> I just went on this whole tangent, Please right? And do I, that. Please do that. And I'm like, and then I, I, it hit me like these, these, these gas powered cars are like, basically gas powered stage coaches. And I was thinking about that word of stagecoach. So just to kind of bring that into this stagecoach as a vehicle, mm. right? So the coaching mm. Mm. as, as a, a vehicle, powerful vehicle to get you from where you are to where you want to go. Yeah. Yeah. So like maybe drive less and coach more. For that. <laughs> yeah. Just stay oh, home cool. and start a podcast. That's yeah. Or just... <laughs> drive less inner guru more let your inner guru drive um yeah and then i also really quickly want to acknowledge that since we work together and i'm still sort of making sense of how these integrate i'm doing my own process of integration mm -hmm. with with the integral coaching lineage and then something called internal family systems oh. which also like is Gosh, I don't, I can't even really sum it up, but I, I, I could spend the hour trying to sum it up, but basically it's sort of an, an understanding of the human psyche that is uh, one, deeply honoring of our inner complexity and two, um, to me, much more attuned to the sort of systemic, holistic, ecological interrelatedness, like to sort of honors that we humans are not discrete, isolated entities you know, that like are inside these sort of walls of skin and that we can't ever connect, but actually we're all interrelated and interconnected and porous and fluid. And we all have systems inside of us made up of different parts of ourselves, just like our body is made up of different parts. You know, we have wow. arms and legs and, you know, it all comes together to feel like one unified thing. And so I've been studying that and got exposed to that. And, and so there's a whole lineage there founded, founded by, by Dr. Richard Schwartz, who again, like, that's just a modern expression. There's these deep, you can follow this into Buddhism, into Shintoism, uh, into shamanism. There are like these really deep insights about, about the human psyche that in many cases are scoffed at, ignored, or, or sort of overlooked in the modern conce conception of what it is to be, to be human and sort of mm. the psychological identities of humans. So, mm. so there's just like a whole nother wellspring that, that, that I've been drinking from the past year or two that's been like kind of just changed a lot for me. So yeah, I want to like acknowledge all of that before I spend any time talking about what I do as a coach. <laughs> right on, right on. Well, I guess um, to, to kind of give it another uh, angle in, in regards to like our interaction you know, because I think that there are these, I guess what one of my passions is, is discovering universal truths and then kind of checking back on those universe, you know, like, like pointing them out whenever I can and then, and then checking back as they repeat themselves, mm. you know, and they show themselves again and again. Mm. And so, so, so you more than anybody in my life, um, kind of, have this unique place in my life where, you know, you, you were basically a, a teacher for me, but you, you came to me as a student yeah. 
you know, and so as a friend, this is like a really honorable experience, you know, to, to basically have someone say, you know, I, I see you as a teacher and I know that I can get what I'm looking for as a student from you. Hmm. And then like a, a teamwork effort to just, you know, build, basically build my teaching more than any student has ever done. Mm. you know and to help mm. me connect all the parts of myself to put into teaching mm. it's a very mm. profound thing from the from the get-go man that's cool yeah that evokes for me something that you and i have talked about before but it just feels really important like another one of the the there's when you start to if you start to kind of wake up to the fact that that modern society is not does it, it is not a um is not reality that modern society is an expression of many many choices that many people have made or been forced to make uh or haven't had the chance to make over over thousands hundreds of thousands millennia like i mean you could you could trace you can trace the thread back really far but if we just kind of locate it within human history that modern society is um an extension of, and maybe an inevitable extension of, of, of human history. Maybe we couldn't help but arrive into a society, something like this. And it's not, it hasn't always looked like this and it won't always look like this, that we just happen to be alive in a really specific moment. Hmm. And that moment comes with arguably some upsides, but it comes with a lot of downsides too. And, and one of the downsides is that, that a lot of people don't have teachers, like hmm. they don't have mentors. They don't have, uh, they don't even have a sense of what could be possible in the kind of uh, apprentice. Like I saw what we did as an apprenticeship. Yeah. You know, I was, a, I was apprenticing the parts of me that wanted to grow as a musician that had for, for too long told myself, and this is another kind of like product of modern society is like, you know, you see the pros, you see the, like the highly polished professional musicians with the image manager and the sound production and the whole thing. And you're like, Oh, I'm not a musician. I can't sing like that. I don't look like that. I don't, I can't play like that. So I must not be a musician. I must not have talent. Right. Like that's another little like sneaky belief that gets, we gets imported is that you have to be a certain kind of someone to be creative and to like, mm. but I just like, so I like had imported all of that and I had this belief, but just some part of me was like, maybe it was my inner guru is like, no, no, this is important. Find a teacher. And then it was like, or almost it was like you were there and that integral was like, ooh, a teacher. It was just almost a, a knowing. And so it was really apprentice in a way, like apprenticing myself to your craft, which you in turn had spent, you know, this is the beautiful thing of teaching is someone else's lifetime. Your life, you'd spend up at that point, you'd spent 30 plus years, whatever it was, studying music, you know, really deeply, you know, a lifetime of work could now be transmitted to someone else in uh, without them spending a lifetime, but that then, then that, that begins their lifetime, right? Like there's just sort of this like mm. amplifying effect that teaching makes possible, that mm. really great personalized mentorship, apprenticeship teaching makes possible that sort of has been cut out of of our modern educational system and so there's like a huge loss there in terms of the way wisdom and knowledge gets transmitted and what you created for us was a sort of to me felt like a a, a more ancient way of learning that that i would love to see come back hmm. more hmm. widely in our society yeah wow man well the the I guess I'm, I'm tempted to, 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 to ask, you know, is there a direct connection between kind of that vehicle of learning to, you know, what you're offering people now? I'm, I'm, I'm curious about that, but, but it's more like, I don't know, I'd, I'd, I'd rather just kind of hear about your progression as, as a coach or, you know, um, what, what's the word that you were you were talking, you, you had a good word for it. And I forget that now. Um, when, uh, when personal development. 
Oh yeah. Like, uh, yeah, that was something I'm still trying to find my way into it. Cause coach just seems the more I tune into the origins of that word. Like I, I appreciate your reframing it as a vehicle. That's cool. Yeah. But there's, but it's, there's something inadequate about the word coach. It's, it's sort of like, a, it's kind of like a companion or a guide or, a, mm. um, sort of a steward or a, um, yeah, I don't know. Well, I'm not sure what the right word is. So coach is fine for now. But, uh, you know, actually it occurs to me and I didn't have this language for it until now, essentially at when I'm at my best as a coach, I'm essentially facilitating a space for my clients to be at their best and, and to be at their best just means to listen to their inner guru. Mm. Like that's really like the, it's what's become very clear to me rooted in, in my experience with other humans in this, in these kind of transformational spaces Mm-hmm. Is that all of us, although it might not always be easy to get there, have access to some inner essence. Uh, and that this essence has had many names and many different wisdom traditions, but some kind of self or soul or consciousness, uh, something integrative, something holistic, something that that somehow feels like a center in the midst of of all the 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 storm and activity and bustle of of our our lives that is that from that place things become graceful things become become effortless things become joyful Hmm. and and so like in a way what i'm sort of always conscious of is the possibility that anytime someone comes to me with a problem that 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 they they know the answer to their problem Hmm. on the deepest level of knowing they might not intellectually know it because that's just a part of them and it's a part of ourselves the strategic mind that's been given like so much uh so much room to dominate Mm. uh, that it's almost, it's often hard for my clients to even imagine, you know, so they said there's skepticism. There's like, you ask them a question, like, how do you feel about this? And they say something like, well, I think, and that's just so common. It's like, it's like, I don't want you to think, tell me how you feel, right? Like just that simple starting to help people get in touch with, with these other parts of themselves. And then at that center, that essence, and it's when that clicks, man, it's really, really powerful. And so in a way, I think the work that you and I were doing, you know, sort of you're the using metaphors to describe a way of being in the world as an anchor, as a, as a creative, uh, both intellectual and emotional and physical anchor, you know, something that you can, even though it's not actually, there wasn't actually a soulful meerkat anywhere, Right. But that image was evocative enough for, for all of these different parts of you to kind of be like, oh, yeah, I see, I see that. And then to co-create a new metaphor, a new way of being, mm-hmm. and this is the integral coaching method, mm-hmm. uh, this visionary ice climber, like mm-hmm. this, this, this person who sees paths through complexity, who has a vision for, to the top of the mountain, but also has the skill and the grit and the grace to go places that are, are not safe. Mm. right to go be in in settings that that feel dicey and icy mm. and to do that with skillfulness that's like mm. that's what you and I were playing with in a way that was just a way of evoking some other aspects of your core essence mm. that didn't diminish at all the creativity the, right, the safety right. but rather invited you to a wider field of possibility and and that's essentially what I what I think any sort of form of of coaching, sort of the- therapy, healing, guidance, partnership, like all of that is really in service of evoking that that inner guru, that inner essence, that ability to know without thinking what's right, what's the right for you in that moment. Hmm. So, do you still use the that? vehicle of of or that method the integral method with the two metaphors for people yeah so what i'm what i'm what i'm working with is is uh so internal family systems 
essentially is an ecological understanding of a human being. And an ecology is, is, a, is just an interrelation. It's a system. Mm-hmm. It's an interrelation of many different parts working as a whole. So like a forest is an ecology. The bacteria in your mouth are an ecology. You know, like there's just at any layer of existence, we find ecological systems. Mm-hmm. They emerge through the complexity of, of, of all of these different things and they find a kind of harmony and a balance. And so internal family systems sort of says that, that all system assumes that, well, if that's true everywhere in nature, then it's also true in, in the human body and in the human psyche. Mm. And, uh, and even that dividing line, human body and psyche is kind of just a useful categorization, but that's all the human is a, is a system. Mm. And, and, and it's made up of different parts, mm-hmm. um, the head, the heart, the gut, mm-hmm. uh, the, you know, the, the sort of some really common psychological parts are kind of like the inner critic or uh, the inner protector or the sort of like bold, the bold part of you that's like bold and willing to challenge people or the part of you that cares about what other people think about you or the part of you that's really like highly perfectionist or the part of you that wants to, to needs a lot of solitude or the part of you that needs a lot of connection, right? Like, all of these needs, emotions are actually parts of our psyche. They're parts mm. of our inner ecology. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, most times, especially because of sort of the cultural field we exist in that exerts a lot of pressure on us to, to fit in, to perform, to mm. produce, to consume. We have certain parts that take dominant roles in our inner system. Uh, and so a lot of people can relate to how, like, if you kind of start to really slow down and listen, you go like, they say something like they just re- relate to being really harsh on themselves, you know? And it's like, so you have a voice, you have, so, you have a voice that kind of like comes in and criticizes you when you make a mistake and a lot, and people listening, probably a lot of people can relate to that. Yeah. So that's actually a part of you. And if it's a dominant part of you, we want to work with it and understand it and help it let go of its need to be so harsh on you because it's doing it for a good reason, but it's actually, the outcome is the opposite of, of what it's trying to do. It's being hard on you because it wants to keep you safe, for instance. Mm. And so that blends with integral coaching and the idea that in a way we could say that the soulful meerkat, meerkat was a metaphor for a part of you that both wanted to keep you safe and wanted to protect your creative energy. And your creative sovereignty right 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 and and that that when that part got dominant it had a good reason to because you had experiences in the past that told you that not everyone respected your creative sovereignty right but it also was you were starting to discover as you like matured into this like identity as a professional musician that there are places where that protectiveness that sort of very careful judgment of who's safe and who's not was cutting you off from deeper connection from from uh performance opportunities recording opportunities a real trust in yourself it was you know and so in a way like i sort of i I do still use the metaphors and i and i use them when it when i sense that people need to see their own inner complexity in a way they never have before and have something that that they can notice when it's happening they can go oh like there's that inner meerkat again there there he goes like trying to keep me safe and this is this is something that robert keegan who's a western psychologist calls the sort of subject to object switch when we're subject to something like you know this is going to be a little crude but you have to go to the bathroom you just have to go to the bathroom and you know you go to the bathroom you don't have to go anymore but we can actually make that object you can notice that you have to go to the bathroom you can hold it you can make a choice not to let that impulse immediately at some point you have to do it, but it, you can like, like you can make a conscious choice around it. Right? right. So you have some other part of you. That's not your, that's not your, your sort of autonomic nervous system saying it's time to do this kind of saying, Nope, Nope, not yet. Right. And so in that same way we have these, so you can be aware of that fact that you're like in the experience of having to do something and it doesn't even seem like a choice. I have to protect myself. That person is dangerous. I have to, you know, I, that, that place isn't safe. My creativity only works when I'm in my, when my, in my studio, it doesn't work on stage, like whatever it is, that seems like reality to you when that part is in charge, but it's possible to notice, begin to notice it and make it from a subject. You're subjected to it, to an object, to something you can look at and go, Oh, 
oh yeah, that's the thing that, that happens to me sometimes, but that's not me or it's not the entirety of me. Mm. It's a part of me. And so there's like this bigger field of awareness that becomes available when we start to realize that our, our ways of being in the world are not the only ways of being in the world. They're simply ways of being in the world. Right, right. So, so I'm hearing two big themes here. One is that you're, you're attempting to, basically you're studying balance. Or um, harmony. Harmony. Yeah. Um, yeah, I like that. So, so Inner. harmony is, it's a, it's a I, I like the word harmony more than balance. I feel like it, uh, it's, it's definitely a fuller kind of more creative word than, than just balance always feels like a, like I'm immediately in a, in a dualistic, I'm either imbalanced or I'm balanced. Yeah. Well, so, so check this out real quick. I, I have a part of me, um, who is great at organization. Okay. And I have another part of me who is really intuitive and and i've through this work with internally internal family systems i've gotten to know these parts better yep and and before i was at a place where they were kind of in a balance and sometimes one balanced up more than the other right it is kind of dualistic it's like either i'm organized or i'm intuitive and that's sort of the seesaw is like the image that i I would experience like, it was like, Oh gosh, where's my intuition? I'm like all organization. I'm like focusing on all these boring details and I'm going crazy or, or flip side. I'm like all intuition and things are a mess. And it's like, I'm not producing anything and I'm not making any progress. And, you know, and then, so then I realized there's some other part of me that was judging that back and forth, but, but through the, the internal family systems work, work with my coach and, and, and my own work, I started to see that these two facets of myself could actually harmonize because they are both in service of, of my highest and best self, like my ability to show up in the world in the way that I'm called to. And when they, and when they, when they both sort of realized that they were working in service of the same goal, they could stop fighting for time on the seesaw and they could start to actually start play together and make music yeah. together. Wow. Yeah. Right? That makes so much sense. Yeah. So, so balance in a way is a bit like, even that is a bit of a bandaid, like harmony to me is a, is fuller because it, it, it connotes the possibility that both parts can play at once yeah. and each make their own unique sound or sounds and that those sounds can come together to make uh, a new set sound that, that wouldn't be available otherwise. This is cool, man. It's getting me to think about um, the, the principles of design too, which mm. was something that I focused on a lot a few months back. Uh, I was trying to think of different ways to teach the songwriting combo at PSU. And yeah. I thought, you know, I don't want to focus on music theory terminology anymore. I want to just talk about creativity itself. Nice. But I didn't necessarily have the tools for that. I feel like I'm getting to that a little bit more now. But mm. but mm. at that time I thought, well, if if I if I'm honest with myself, all my favorite bands back in New England were all the art student kids from Rhode Island from Providence, you know, <laughs> like the Riz, the RISD kids. Yeah. And Brown, yeah. you know, so what did they have? They had an understanding of the principles of design, you know, contrast, balance, um, unity, uh, scale, you know, these types mm. of principles, mm. which, which are really fun mm. to riff on and to think about good musical examples. But what this is, what this is hipping me to is that balance kind of can fall under the category of harmony now mm. it's be a component of harmony mm. Mm. nice yeah but harmony itself is kind of a bigger a bigger uh circle on the venn diagram and it happens to actually be a musical term too right yeah <laughs> which yeah. is which is convenient but i'm that yeah. makes me think well maybe and yes actually this is this this is definitely something i want to pursue now so rhythm contains repetition contains contrast right like so the the mm -hmm. practice of rhythm has multiple principles of design within it and i think melody i'm i'm just got a gut feeling this probably carries multiple elements of the principles of design within it yes so yes. this is this is getting me uh in a really good direction with that love it man unexpected yeah so 
you said like there's sort of something you're getting hip to is this as a teacher is this as a composer like is this as a someone who's engaging with your own process of growth well like what do you as you start to notice the overlap between design principles and musical principles and the sort of psychological paradigm I'm trying to explore and this word harmony feels really inclusive like what are what's happening for you right now as you tune into that I don't know, man. I mean, I get excited about the, you know, like I was saying that the universal truths, right? So seeing the connections between these different fields. And so when I see something like that, I kind of, I kind of just assume in, a, in an open way, you know, that it's referring to, there's more to be sought mm, out mm, in that mm. direction. Mm, it's like a sign of, it's a, a sign post. Yeah, it's like, oh, I'm, I must be on the right path because when I'm over in this domain, there's a version of it. And when I'm over in this domain, there's a version of it. And when I'm in this domain, there's a version of it. Yeah. So there's some sort of, there's some sort of wider container or some sort of deeper source that's likely if it keeps showing up in this, in this way in all these different domains. Right, right. And I don't actually, I, I think I'm excited about not necessarily, uh, bottling something up any longer in one in one domain unless it's a vehicle to look further into a direction that is universal mm. Like, mm. like i'm down for for digging into a craft and obviously like as i as i get deeper into composing i'm just always finding new details within pieces and that that's one of the more fun things to do is like find a find a you know find a rhythm within a rhythm that then might feel really good with these notes these particular notes and then that may might lead me to a melody that might take me out of the chordal structure that I was in into a new key and then that might lead me into a new section of a piece you know it like you can you can get detailed and follow within one realm and that's your practice of course but as we talk and and i think within the practice too um i'm also psyched about this kind of like just put it out into the ether as like a you know that rings true that rings true um it's probably related to a universal truth because everything is, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. kind of going, yeah. going into this very like uh, meta mystical space to play, you know, is uh, that's, that's fun. It's so fun. <laughs> so that's what... so fun. Yeah. I mean, there's sort of, um, you know, in some ways when I encounter uh is particularly in my work with clients when I encounter their skeptical parts, the parts of them that are like, you know, yeah, all this spiritual <laughs> mystic stuff is kind of bullshit. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, yes. Oh, I'm so bad. You know, you like, so, you like that when that, yeah, I'm like, like oh moment. yes. Cause it just, it just doesn't matter. Right. Like it doesn't, that's spiritual mystic meta. Those are all just words to describe the universe. And we live in this, we are of the universe, the universe, like it's just, so skepticism is part of the universe. And so, okay, like, let's, let's dance with, let's tell me more about your skepticism, you know, like, let's get to know it. Let's see what's there. Let's see what's behind it. And, and not everyone gets there. And that's probably because of the dynamics in the relationship. But often what I discover is right behind the skepticism is a deep desire to like a deep longing for it to be true, right? Like, like there's always some balance or harmony. Like the skepticism is part of the larger, like inner song that they're trying to play or inner music they're trying to listen to. It's a inverse of the longing that they feel for more meaning and purpose you know, and, and so there's just sort of like a wonderful, you can just pull on any thread, I guess is what I'm trying to say. You can just sort of start anywhere and find your way into 
something that's that that rings and resonates to use a musical term that resonates as real for you and that's really beautiful that's that kind of musical potentiality that i hear you tuning into and mm. so then what happens is if i can help people just sort of hey you don't have to you can be skeptical for the rest of your life mm. actually and as a skeptic you can try this out like try out live as if there's the possibility of harmony what 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 if you lived as if there was the possibility of harmony you know what would that look like and there's you know people are smart they're like well you know um i would be more curious about things that i normally get upset at hmm. okay so what does it look like for you to practice more curiosity in your life yeah i'm gonna call up i'm gonna i'm gonna call up my my cousin who voted for this person I would never vote for and I'm just going to listen I'm going to ask them some questions and listen to them mm. or whatever right like it just you can just always go further in mm. and uh and anything that seems like evidence of the opposite point of view is can be integrated at some deeper level mm. man yeah the 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 this this definitely puts me into a feeling like I feel like I'm kind of floating in space, like outer space, <laughs> you know, where there's like, like anything's possible. We could talk about anything and it, it would all be the same. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. And this is where, and this is that, that like, and this is the like intuitive and the organized. Right. And so the, so the parts of us that are really good at organizing can help that spacious, almost like, you almost lose the the details and you just have a feeling tone of like, wow. <laughs> you know, the organization can then come in and put that in a song or put that in a story or put yeah. that in an email or put, yeah. it can sort of like, and then of course the, the, the song doesn't get all of it. It never can. It's just a, it's a, but it's this little facet that now other people can experience, you know? And so there's this sort of this wonderful flow between between inner experience, inner concepts, inner abstraction and outer expression, outer concreteness, outer, you know, and, and so that boundary line between inner and outer, again, that's like a illusion. They mm. flow through mm. each other. Mm. So we really could talk about anything right now. And in talking yeah. about it, we'd start to put some organ organization to it, you know, in the same way that design thinking can be organized to music or music can be organized to designing, right? You can sort of, the, the, the domains talk to each other. It's really cool though to like to uh to just kind of sit in this space for a little bit that's not necessarily organized. Like one of the one of the things that's happening is that I'm getting like images really quickly from from all of these different parts of my life and, mm. and different mm. things that that are all exciting to me like you know animal communication and um, and space exploration, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, the, the, yes. the connection between emotion and creativity. Um, the other day I realized that when I'm feeling like really vulnerable and kind of like, like heart achy, I can, I can sit at the piano and more things are beautiful to my ears. There's mm. like, there's like more mm. because I mm. think I want it. I want I'm longing for uh, a sense of understanding and, and acceptance from the universe. Mm. Mm. And so, you know, the universe is going to obviously provide that, you know, so, so it's just that the music is then my interface with the universe and it allows, allows for that to come, come mm. in. I'm, I'm brought mm. to that. I'm, I'm brought to, um, you know, one of the more profound, hymns that uh in in the christian tradition so you know i just got through with easter and i've always i've always been hit by this one uh i think it's called oh god why are you silent and it's it's like in reference to you know when jesus is on the cross and and he calls out you know why have you forsaken me and like you know it it's it's heavy because there is this, there is this thought like, 
you know, he's he's basically depicting the human dilemma, which is which is kind of like what you were, I don't know, what you were getting to, which is like the religion or the 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 spiritual longing yes, is yes. kind of one and the same as faith. It's like it's it's like like I choose to hope and believe that there is this theistic presence. And I am I am mourning the fact that, that I can't that I don't feel it. Yeah, that I don't feel it. That it's it's like in a sense, it's not there as an external thing. It is life itself. Yeah. Which is too it's too vague and unorganized for people to like, you know, to be like lifeists. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like they need something to like, they need an object. Yeah. To, yeah. That's the, their focus to, on to put that energy into that's yeah. But it strikes me like there's like the way that skepticism becomes a trailhead into, into belief that your tenderness and your sadness becomes a trailhead into beauty. That it's sort of like that our, our sense of feeling forsaken by the universe becomes the place where we might discover a deeper understanding of the universe and our place in it. <laughs> it's crazy. Right. And like that, that, that there's a version of running from that, that, that like, Oh, I feel tender. Let me numb, 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 numb. Mm. Right. That, that move that makes us ultimately like tenderizes us even more in a way. And like, hurts us more and gets us further and further away from the source of the tenderness, which is this longing for beauty. So the, there's something about like, if you're lonely or you're grieving or you're angry, there's some, there's some way in which that's a portal, that's a doorway into, perhaps is a doorway into what you most are longing for or what you most need. So that there's just something here that I want to, and I'm not quite sure how to name it, but just to name that this parts of us that we're most afraid of, that we run from the most are the parts that actually have the most to teach us if we're willing to meet them as, as Rumi says at the doorway laughing. Mm, yeah. Oh man. Can, can uh, I want to, can I, can we read that poem right now? Sure. Yeah. Because I feel like Rumi does a much better job of this than than I'm doing. Yeah, the Guest House by Jaladan Rumi, who is, mm. uh, you know, just a really remarkable poet and mystic, Sufi poet and mystic. And this is a translation by Coleman Barks. Okay. This being human. This being human is a guest house. Every morning, a new arrival. A joy, a depression, a meanness. Some momentary awareness comes as an unexpected visitor. Welcome and entertain them all, even if they are a crowd of sorrows who violently sweep your house empty of its furniture. Still, treat each guest honorably. They may be clearing you out for some new delight. Mm. The dark thought, the shame, the malice, meet them at the door laughing and invite them in. <laughs> Be grateful for whoever comes because each has been sent as a guide from beyond. Oh. <laughs> yeah, man. What? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that poem is thousands of years old. Thousands of years old. Every time I hear one of his poems, I, I, I feel like a, yeah, there's a richness to it. It's like beautiful, but also kind of dark and like, whoa, I don't know if I can hang. Like, <laughs> that's like challenging, like extremely challenging. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, particularly when we, we, grow, we are raised in and grow up in uh, settings where there are no structures for that. I mean, you know, and it, I want to be careful not to, to romanticize the past, 
but there's a there's a real deep 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 veins of indigenous wisdom about staying with the parts of life that are the hardest mm. and uh you know if you go you can go 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 into into sort of like south american indigenous stuff the shamanism there you can go into like celtic indigenous stuff the druids you can go into into first nations native american indigenous stuff the the tribal healer the elder like mm -hmm. there are all of these there were spaces and pres prescribed rituals and prescribed times of life and prescribed experiences that that everyone knew they could access if they wanted or needed and maybe and maybe in some cases were expected to or required to right and and those spaces those rites of passage those um those practices were designed explicitly to do what what rumi is describing in this poem to to like meet the parts of life that we might instinctively run from and in so doing actually see that they are a part of us and step out of that experience the other side like bigger fuller humbler mm. stronger and like there's just none of that right like that that like I, we could spend hours talking about the tragedies of of all that's lost in childhood and the kingdom of childhood these days because it's so like sanitized and protected and safe and there's no rites of passage you just you know there's sort of vague glimmers of it with graduations and stuff like that but it's just there's it's just about knowledge just about absorbing knowledge and repeating it back as opposed to being as opposed to being with these complexities and living them and experiencing them and integrating them yeah man yeah wow yeah it you know what i'm i'm brought back to our our men's group that we do once a month you know and yeah uh one of the first things that i remember being interested in considering you know like why join a men's group you know is that um in in our culture there's not a whole lot of like like you say rites of passage so um for men the our society's rites of passage are like pretty hollow, you know, and, and are not really holistic. No. no. Uh, I think mostly because the vehicles by which they're attained are connected to, to this kind of, uh, out of harmony capitalism, you know, like, <laughs> you know, yeah. a, a system that needs to be harmonized. Yeah. You know, it's interesting that like the 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 word that came to mind immediately is the word linear. And lin the word linear um, implies a line, which implies like one point at a time. So linear systems are simpler systems that don't allow for harmony. Oh, wow. Right. You can only play one note at a time. And, and so what you just called capitalism might be called an expression of the parts of us that desire to make things linear and controllable and manageable. Right. And so we're like, yes, we know. Yes, of course we have rites of passage, high school graduation. And you have high school graduation when you are uh, between the ages of 17 and 18 and you have uh, completed your exams and received these grades. If you do not do that, you do not have high school graduation. Right, right, right. You can also take a GED, but you must study for the GED. And, and it's like, it's just, it's just like so linear that, yeah. that the, all the sort of complexity, the parts of us that need harmony, it's like, we just don't know how to do harmony in our society. We just only know how to play one note at a time. Yes. Wow. Well, I'm looking at the time, man, speaking of time, and I'm realizing that this is, this is well over <laughs> an hour. Yeah. I know I, I'm feeling very much a part of me just wants to like stay and talk for hours and hours, but I wonder, I wonder maybe in service of this rite of passage that you're going through this, this kind of moment of completing your first season of this, this really wonderful <laughs> podcast. And, you know, just also the, the passage you've been through to embrace fully embrace your identity as a professional composer and recording artist. Like there's just, there's a lot 
to sort of ceremonialize and celebrate here. And I wonder, like, how can we, how can we, what would, what would help make this conversation here feel like that for you? Wow. Well, or at least have a, have a flavor of that. I mean, you know, with, with my album release, like you, you took part in that and helped help participate in, in, you know, a, a fairly strong kind of ritual rite of passage. That was cool. With yeah. that, you know, so that, that kind of, I think, took care of that portion. Um, in terms of this, the first season of this project, um, you know what I think, I think I'll do is I will, I will just acknowledge in, in summary, again, mm. kind of what I was trying to articulate about, about our relationship, mm. you know, and, and what is kind of, um, it's, it's, it's making me more aware of it in other, other relationships and, and desiring to have this kind of experience, which is like, which is a real uh, mutual respect and honoring of a person's, you know, kind of fullness and like a hope for uh, basically creating the life that we would like to see exist on this planet. And I see that in all, all of the teachers, um, you know, and their practices are kind of inviting me to, to kind of step up to that, that level. And I see that in you. And so, you know, to kind of round out the end of this season, it's basically to, to just acknowledge that, like I am, I am an equal <laughs> with everyone that I interviewed, you know, and I'm, I am equal with you uh, in that we are humans, part of, part of a collective kind of soul spirit. Yes that we don't really understand, but we're learning about, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah. so I guess just to say like out loud to, you know, anyone who will listen, that that's, that's like what I believe in as a, mm. as a life practice, mm. you know? And um, yeah. So I just, I, I thank you for, for practicing that and, uh, and for resonating with me on, on so many different, planes you know mm. fuck yeah man here's to each of us as individual cells in this incredible sort of collective human body human soul earth earth body earth soul like knowing ourselves more deeply and knowing each other more deeply in a way that allows life to flourish mm. and harmonize. Mm. Yeah, that feels like a good way to, <laughs> to close it out. Oh yeah. And I just had one thought, which with like, with a no pressure expectation, but it strikes me that, uh, that there might be an opportunity for you creatively, musically to, to sort of respond to or evoke what these nine conversations have, have have moved in you to sort of write a song or to oh, improvise, you know, to like, that could be a cool little self write of passage that you could then share with others too. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's, that's, that's an interesting, uh, an interesting idea. I, I am. It's a little bit intense to think about like <laughs> using such a kind of big process as a prompt because it carries so much with it mm. like I've, I've been digging on like like super small prompts mm. like manageable mm. prompts mm. um which is a whole other thing that you know we could talk about um but that as a prompt is 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 quite sizable you know i think what i'll do is i'll 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 put that in the back on the yeah. back burner just to, just to be aware of it, you know, it's yeah. like, uh, does it have to be a big deal? Does it have to be like a, a really overwhelming concept for a prompt? I don't think it does. Yeah. Well, just, just like popped up in my field of yeah. awareness is like, 
one of your unique gifts. And uh, if something emerges sooner or later or ever, I can't wait to hear it. But regardless, it's been it's been such a it's been really fun to be your friend. <laughs> yeah, man. Right <laughs> and also to record you. some of our conversations and share it with other people. Totally. Well, mm. to let's do some more. Hell yeah. All Here's it. to it. All right. Big, big love, brother. Thank you. All right. For this episode, I'm going to say bye to you as we hang up, as opposed oh, to... Oh, shit. <laughs> so thanks to everybody who's listening. And I love you, man. Uh, I'll talk to you soon. Love you too. Peace. All right. Take care. Well, that does it for season one of Conversations with My Teachers. Thanks so much for listening. The whole season can be found at patreon.com slash Todd Marston. Coming up next will be a family edition of the podcast in which I interview members of my immediate family, all of whom served as teachers in my life and all of whom have what I find to be interesting perspectives on life. Until next time, I wish you well.